Well, welcome everyone to um, Next Steps, the podcast. Um, it's uh, it's This is a Tuesday when you're hearing this. We're recording on a Monday, but we'll release Tuesday. We'd love you to be commenting as we go through in wherever you're listening or watching this. Um, but before we start, we'd like to acknowledge um, and pay our respects to the first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. And we also pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and seas over the past thousand of generations. So in with us today, we've got Matt Garvin who gave the talk. So he's the guy who did the sermon. Our Tuesday podcast, we normally just reflect the sermon and ask the speaker to elaborate a bit further or um, strengthen what they said. We've got Gus Swindon. Gus, where are you, where are you at the moment? I'm in Lindisfarne, sitting at home in my little home office. Lindisfarne, the home of the Saints. Okay, and 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 you're down somewhere near Cambridge, or is yep. Acton Park? Yeah, Acton Park? that's right. Look, the view out over the airport. Yeah, nice. Okay, and and um and myself, Dan. So nice to have you guys all here. Matt, can you give us a quick summary of what the sermon was on Sunday? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. After I got up, after my daughter read. The Bible reading just realize it, it's, it sounds fairly full on. It's where Jesus sort of takes the gloves off and goes for the uh, Pharisees. Uh, hmm. Taking the gloves off is a hockey reference, ice hockey reference. That's what they do when they go to have a fight. They throw their gloves yeah. off. Uh, and uh, and uh, he he basically calls them out. And 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 this is we I think we did the first three of seven woes where he says woe to you or in the message just what, what's he saying in the message is it uh, says you're hopeless <laughs> you're frauds <laughs> yeah so, um except that the what i was trying to communicate in, in the greek it's not it is a you know you're you're hopeless you're frauds but there's also this deep sense of grief associated with it as well like that the idea of woe it's like it's, so he's, it's not like he's pleased to be saying it. He's, uh, and he is really taking the Pharisees on for the serious influence they're having on the people around them and how, in his words, they're shutting up the kingdom of heaven from people. Before you keep snatching on, and can you help us understand what is a Pharisee, just to get that out? <laughs> Okay, well, I know that um, Matt had a, had a quite a detailed explanation of the different kinds of Pharisees, probably last week, actually, um, mm. and, and how there were different sects and so forth. But as I understand it from what he said, um, they are teachers of the law. Is that correct? Have I got that right? Or are they, are they the chief priests? Well, are they the ones that know the law inside out? And like they're lawyers, but they're also teaching it. Well, so it, it was. It, it, there was two different. One of the complications was it is a, it's a group of like a like a like almost like a political party, and some of them are teachers of the law, which is the scribes. Which is teachers yeah, of the yeah, law, yeah, um, yeah. and and the teachers of the law bit is a job description that you can do. Uh, some of the Sadducees were also teachers of the law. Um, but the the Pharisees were the ones who felt like uh, Jerusalem and the and the the Jewish people were not taking God seriously enough and needed to get more into following the Bible, uh, and they would generally be up against it. Like in some ways, they were the right wing, and then you had the left wing, um, which were the the Sadducees, who uh, were kind of the ruling elite, uh, and uh, who. Uh, who only believed in the first five books of the Bible, whereas the Pharisees believed in it all. The, Pharise the Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection, but the Pharisees did. And there were there were two groups within the Pharisees, one that was kind of really hard line and one was a, a bit more relaxed. So so yeah. it was this, this kind of pressure group of people who wanted to get people to take God more seriously that Jesus was taking on. Um, that was a lot deeper than I was expecting. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> but so the, the difference then now, like, so these guys are the leaders of society and religious leaders, 
kind of because they're not they're not the political leaders because they're under a they're oppressed by the Romans at the time. But I don't want to go too much further. Correct me if I'm <laughs> kind of because one one of the main differences is these guys, the Pharisees, they unlike today where political leaders and religion and state are re removed from each other um, most of the time. Whereas in this time, religious and societal leadership came from the one body. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. And so that's why they were teachers of the law, because there was the, 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 the Jewish law uh, that people had to live under. And so they, uh, so they weren't, so the, the, the Sadducees would be seen as kind of a ruling class, but they're not Roman ruling class. They're Jewish Roman class ruling class mm. and so they come under the romans but yeah mm. so, yeah it is a bit convoluted but but basically there, there are a bunch of people who say we've got to take god more seriously and here's the 8933 ways we have to do it uh mm. and you need to do it right now great yeah good okay <laughs> and we often we often criticize them for having what you, you mentioned 800 and something just then i didn't quite catch it yeah, I just made that number up. There is, there was actually okay. a number of because I was going to uh, say I know about the six hundred and thirty rules. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. We, all, <laughs> we often criticise them for having all these rules, but to be honest, in most of our well, in in our church setting or stuff, we would there are a lot of basic unwritten rules that we would have of how you live as a Christian as well. So I don't don't get too hard. But anyway, Jesus takes the gloves off um, and he says, "Right, let's get down to knuckles." Um, with these guys, explain that a bit to, more to us, Matt. Yeah, well, I mean, he starts off by really um, saying, "Look, you guys, uh, you are you are shutting the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You're hypocrites." Uh, he, he's, he's charging them with the task of doing things just for show. And, and he's actually just said that previously. We talked about that last week. Um, but he says, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces and you yourself won't enter, but you won't let anybody else in. And that really sort of sums up uh, his, his frustration and heart with them. Uh, and and as I was pointing out uh, last uh, on Sunday, I think one of the interesting things is for us to be thinking about, okay, in our community... Uh, to what level has have people who call themselves Christians or people coming from different ways of thinking shut the door on the kingdom of heaven for other people? Like in, in what way? It's we're at an interesting turning point in our community where, for the first time, the census that was released a few weeks ago shows that there's more people with no religion than there are Christians in Tasmania. Mm. So, um, does that mean? Uh, that the door has been shut for a lot of people on Christianity. And what does that mean? So mm. that was some of the questions we were wrestling with on Sunday. Mm. Yeah, that's that's probably the core of your sermon. I mean, it's pretty hard on these Pharisees because I imagine there are a bunch of Pharisees who thought they were giving their all for God. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And of, of course, God chose a Pharisee, uh, Paul, mm. to to really turbocharge his church and it was the fact that paul had all the training he did he did that it meant he could write and do the the, the advanced theological work he did um there's no there's no question that they thought they were doing the right thing hmm. and and a lot of our first century historians or some of the ones i read say that if you, if you only read jesus description of them they get a bit of a bad rap uh, because they were generally what from the other source documents we get this sense that they really were trying to put God first and and do the right thing. But here we see Jesus really ripping into them uh, because they're playing the wrong game, hmm. and, and particularly their um, thing about being hypocrites. Is Jesus seems to care a lot about what goes on in people's heart. And their major focus is more on what you do. Uh, mm. It's more on the laws, uh, and and it, and it's it's interesting for us as a, because it's it's a lot easier to measure the laws than it is to measure someone's heart. 
One of the things that I, I mean, I've watched a number of the episodes of The Chosen, which many people now will have done. And if you haven't, and I recommend that you go on YouTube and take a look or yeah. download the app because it is a, a really good um, presentation of the life of Jesus and, and what's in the Gospels. But one of the things I found um, really interesting there, and I thought they did it really well, when they um, they depicted the Pharisees, they show is that you've got some in that, that group who were really interested and, and actually... Um, reaching out toward what Jesus was saying and had an openness mm. to what he was saying and, and actually received what he was saying and were changed by it. And then there were others who were much more sort of interested in self-promotion and getting ahead and competing with other factions within their party mm. and so you get these power plays at work. And, and so, you know, and as I understand it, Matt, um, quite a number of Pharisees became Christians after the resurrection. So it's not like um, they hadn't taken on what Jesus was saying. But inevitably, there were people in the leadership who um, were threatened and because their power was threatened and their particular worldview was threatened. Mm. And, I, and I, I guess the truth is that that's what things can look like in our own church now. Yeah. And bef before we go any further, it would be actually nice to read some of that passage so we can hear the bit we're talking through. So I'll let you get ready for that, Anne. But, um, okay. Yeah, some of them. So whether they're controlling and self-ambition or whether they're striving for the purity of their religion, it's still mm. a control thing yeah mm. but the portrayal of nicodemus in the chosen is beautiful yeah. so so yes. far i'm looking forward to the next bit seeing yeah. where it goes and do you want to read what so we're reading from matthew chapter um uh, 23 and verses yes. 13 yeah. we're doing a bit around there so do you want to take it away yeah okay so woe to you teachers of the law and pharisees you hypocrites you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces you yourselves do not enter nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert, and when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. And then going on to verse 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill and cumin, but you have neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practised the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, swallow a camel. Hmm. Gus, got any reflections before we jump back in? Well, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, they, they were, I feel a little bit sympathetic, I suppose, in that, you know, they were trying to do the right thing or what they thought was the right thing, but they're getting pretty half, harsh, you know, words. Um, but I suppose, you know, the reason that Jesus went at them pretty hard like that is the impact of what they were doing was pretty disastrous, you know, shutting the door of heaven on people when, you know, the whole point is to actually open the door. So even if their intentions weren't bad, but their actions and their outcomes were disastrous, they needed to kick up the ass. So, yeah, mm. yeah I guess that's the way the passage rolls. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty strong. Yeah. And while Jesus himself may not have been political, what he was saying, um, oh, boy, did it go to the heart of some of the, if you like, the political little p um, power that were going on, and no wonder he um, <laughs> caused some rips. And they no wonder he was unpopular. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and this is not his first road, rodeo with with the Pharisees. No. So this is a this is an ongoing tussle between the yeah. two, and they constantly try and trick him. And and here he's he's pretty pretty frank. There are other passages where he's equally frank with them. Mm. Uh, that 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 thing you guys are talking about of um, you're. You're not coming into the kingdom, and you're blocking blocking others from getting in there too, Matt. That was the main part of your message, I think. Is that fair? 
Yeah, like I, I think that that, that concern, and, and I I think part of what Matthew is doing in writing all this is also this is Jesus' last block of teaching, and he's preparing. Like Matthew's been very intentional in how he writes his gospel. This is the uh, he's the only one that puts the teaching like this, and this is Jesus' last block of teaching, and he's and he's trying to contrast uh, the Pharisees with what. That we as followers of Jesus should be like, and so as much as it's a condemnation of the Pharisees, it's also a a call to arms or a a, a description of the what we should be like in contrasting it to the opposite of this. So it is, it's very clear that that central to Jesus is that uh, this thing that no, nothing should stop someone entering the kingdom, and if there's anything in us that's getting in the road, we need to have a long hard look at it. Uh, and so I think, mm. yeah, that, that, that in many ways would be a, a, a core thrust of what I was trying to, uh, to communicate. Yeah. And, and Gus, he gave us three types of ways that we block others from getting to the kingdom. Can you guys remember what they are? Here's a little quiz time. <laughs> Gus, do you want to head, lead it off? When you oh, say nice three types of ways, do you mean the three sort of different groupings or the three different sort of yeah. perspectives you might have yeah, yeah i mean i guess yeah in one sense there's you know the group that might characterize those who you know regularly go to church look more like us who you know have have a have a faith have a belief you know wanting to follow wanting to do you know god's will etc um but more you know if you express that or allow that to come out in in ways of you know looking trying to be right and trying to you know, impose your view on others or look down on others or judge or any of those things, you know, even though that you might be just trying to, you know, I suppose give expression to the things you believe in, it's actually not a very constructive and helpful way to actually try and propagate what Jesus was trying to do in the world. It's not a good way to, to you know, open the door for others or help them to see or help them to experience God's love for them. So, yeah, I guess that was one grouping and that sort of, stuck with me a bit because you know we we are called to be salt and light and so you know how do you actually go about that without actually causing you know detrimental impacts mm. you know it's very it's very contextual it's very individual you know how do you actually go about you know trying to express the faith you have and and the things you, you know and believe without that actually becoming an imposition on others mm. so yeah that was the, that was one grouping that yeah. I was thought about quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Let's and stick with that first one for a sec. We'll stick with the first oh, one okay. for a second, yes. and then, then you can take it away. And um, but how how devastating would it be for us to have closed the door so that some people couldn't find their way to the kingdom, or to have stood in the way, even even though we had a heart and desire that all would come to know Christ and follow Him, if if we unthoughtfully or untactfully got in the way of that. Yeah. Well, I think it is. I mean, I think, you know, you don't even have to be hypothetical about it. You, I get mm. feedback or we get feedback from people, you know, that mm. say sometimes long after an event, you know, the way you said or the way you did or what you, yeah. you know, yeah. what you did there, you know, caused a problem for me, caused me to stumble or whatever. And that's quite hard feedback to hear. And, you yeah. know, as a as a sort of a society, we're not great at giving and receiving feedback in very, you know, in real time and in a non, you know, non confrontational sort of way but sometimes it comes out like that and it's yeah it's it's quite a blow mm. and, and yeah and I, I was just thinking then that that can happen at the individual level as Christians that we can you know without intentionally or or maybe you know quite passionately and you know as if we know that oh yeah it's absolutely right that we need to take this particular view this approach and it may well backfire but um I think the other thing is it can actually happen what I think of as a system level at more of a structural level. Mm. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the church has become a, 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 an organisation, if you like, that's across the world and it's got a leadership and so forth. And sadly, we know because we've seen so much in the news around like the you know, the inquiry into the child abuse and all of that kind of stuff, that um, if we don't um, 
you know, sort of look after our leaders, if we're not going to actually have integrity in terms of the way the organisation and the system works and how we call out things within our own community um, and and um, look out for what Jesus has called the church to, then our action when they hurt other people and, we're, and, and they see that this doesn't add up to what they thought Christianity was all about. And if that's what they allow, then, you know, we're not having a part of it. Or mm. they hurt this person or hurt me, and so I'm walking away from it. And so, so sometimes it can be an individual face or example, but sometimes it can just be <laughs> um, mm. because of a more general... Yeah. Mm. That's a very good point. Hmm. I, I always am challenged by Mahatma Gandhi, who says, I, I, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. Uh, hmm. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Uh, and and he, I think he said somewhere else, uh, if, if your Christians were like your Christ, everybody would be Christians. Mm -hmm. so I, I think that that challenge of shutting up the door to Christianity. Uh, I, I don't think we see the ways we do it. I don't think neither did the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I think we can live a middle class, comfortable life in our Christian ghettos, uh, and. There can be people desperate for hope down the road, but it's just like this disconnect mm. and we don't enter the mess of their worlds. Um, mm. And whereas Jesus would be right in the middle. It was interesting when we asked, you know, what would be the things Jesus cares about? Everybody knew. Like mm. <laughs> the themes came out pretty quick. Uh, mm. But if, 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 if we were right, and that is the stuff Jesus cares about, then I reckon it asks something of us as a church because I don't think the majority of our resources are going in those directions. So that's it just yeah. raises some questions. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. Because the first first point, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt and, and say that they are fervently following Christ, you know, the Pharisees or our church members or whatever, but there will be so many blind spots that, that will prevent them. And you talked about the culturalization. Uh, um, and and so so in in quite a few countries, especially in the Middle East, if 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 you identify as Christian, that means you are white Western. Um, hmm. It's a cultural statement more than a religious statement. But even here in Hobart, if you say you're a Christian, often you, you well it can be multicultural or you are white middle class, um, and even that cultural difference can can exclude people from our society from be being able to access Christ because Christ is a middle-class religion. Mm. So even in our own city and society, that, that that's an issue. Yeah. Well, let's can I just, go back, just, can I just yeah. go back just one minute to what Anne was saying? I mean, because I think that's absolutely right, Anne. There's the whole, you know, the church as a sort of an organisation, a hierarchy, a sort of a system, and then there's the individuals. But it's so it's so... I suppose, um, integral that those two things overlap. And the only way you get to look at one is you see the other and vice versa. And I was thinking about an example. It might be a bit risky going here, but anyway, I'll do it. On, on the weekend, I read the opinion piece in the Mercury on Saturday. It was Charles Woolley uh, wrote, you know, the main piece in the middle of the paper. And I usually quite enjoy reading Charles Woolley. It's quite thought-provoking. And this one was on Scott Morrison and his... his um, um, you know, sermon or speech that he gave at a church in Western Australia. And I mean, you know, before I go any further, I have no political allegiance to Scott Morrison, so I'm not sort of running any kind of argument there. And I, you know, have no issue with, with who's in power. But I just found it quite interesting that, you know, his, his message that he was giving to a group of believers trying to encourage them to, to um, you know, believe in God and have their faith and their trust in something other than worldly structures or, you know, organizations or governments or your role or whatever it was it was actually all about taking your eyes off that and putting your eyes on you know a heavenly creator god i found it interesting that that 
you know, that the worldly view of that can then be changed or moved into a different space that actually says, you know, all of this religion, especially Christianity, is completely, you know, off track, irrelevant. Um, you know, it's 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 not it's it's got nothing to offer us these days because the interpretation of that is that you know there's someone who's so wildly off beam that they actually say you know don't believe in in the structures of in a government or whatever it is and i found it interesting because that's an individual that's talking about you know scott morrison and and the way he conducts himself but the whole thing is escalated very quickly into religion is phony particularly the christian religions all a sham and just that conflation of that i find sort of breathtaking because you know in my head it makes my head sort of almost explode but it is actually a natural thing that happens and yeah. it happens everywhere and you know I don't know I think that's that link between you know how we're seen and things show up individually versus what's the church or what's Christianity seen to be representing in 2022. Yeah. Actually that leads in really nicely to the next the next group if you like yeah. um, what the, that Matt talked about and that's those who don't believe in God at all. Um, you know, there is no God. And um, and some may be, you know, they just keep that private. But others can be very um, militant and very vocal about that view in a way that actually um, can prevent others who might be willing to explore the possibility from going down that track and actually exploring the kingdom of heaven and what that actually meant, the kingdom of God and what that actually means. So I think that's, and, and so that's actually um, an, a really nice example probably of it. And I, I recently read a book um, by Alistair McGrath called Through a Glass Darkly, and it's his memoirs. Um, he was a man who um, was a, a, a brilliant, scientist, um, chemist, I think he was, and um, he grew up and he, in his, his youth and as a young man, he, he was an atheist and he, he was surrounded by people who thought like him. And what he realised at some point was that he wasn't actually applying his scientific mind to understand and unpack his atheism as much as, you know, like he was willing to slam Christianity and as a religion and a way of believing and belief system and realised at some point that he had his own belief system. And it was, it was a belief system. He was wanting to think of it as a set of facts, but yeah. in fact it was a belief system, his atheism, yeah. that he had yeah. to actually try to unpack honestly and that also meant going and talking to Christians and having an open mind to actually hearing what they believed and why they believed it and taking it seriously and and um, yeah and in the process he actually entered the kingdom which yeah. is wonderful and then he talks about that process but uh, yeah mm. So, Matt, I might throw you for this second point a bit more because you talked about people who are of no faith. Um, do you want to elaborate more on one question and then you can get started? What's the difference between a religion and a belief system? Because I think that'll help. Well, it's important for us to understand religion was only invented 400 years ago around the time of the Enlightenment, the idea that you could have a religion that was separate to your belief system, like that, that it, the idea that you could separate church and state or all that... that it was a it's a cons religion is a construct and and even uh most hindu people wouldn't talk about hinduism as a religion um mm. and so uh at the, at the heart of the of the of jesus um, teaching is this assumption that what really matters is what you really believe like what what's actually where your heart is what mm. what what is the what is your worldview Jesus doesn't actually care so much about whether you've got the right intellectual thoughts. He, he cares about your, your, your fundamental belief system. And so uh, I, I think one of the most dangerous things about our moment is that there's a whole lot of people who believe they don't have a belief system or, or, or believe they don't have a religion, but they have a very clear belief system that many of them are strong evangelists for. Uh, but they don't do the work to interrogate it and 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 and, and examine the under, underpinnings of it 
And one of the things I wasn't, I didn't get the time to really unpack like I'd like to is that the idea we're in a, we're in a post-Christian society where there's a whole lot of assumptions that have come from Christianity that are shaping people's belief systems. Like the idea of human rights really is a, uh, a Christian invention. Uh, the, the, um, there's a, a fascinating book by historian uh, Tom, uh, Tom Holland, uh, and, and another guy, Yuval Noah Harari, who is a, a devout atheist, but he, he points out uh, that there's a whole lot of things that have come from Christianity. Mm. And one of the, we're trying this great experiment about can we hold on to those things at, as, at the core of society while, while we take away the Christianity from it? Uh, and, and what you find is if you, one of the things I was saying is if you don't, if you don't have a God, like if you don't have an external point of reference that gives you your set of bearings, then you've only got an internal set of reference. You're God in your own world. Um, so there is this, I think this is the, and I've been wrestling with, I don't think the ways we've communicated the gospel uh, in the past are going to work in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what the, 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 the way of, of communicating the gospel in this moment it, has to be something like helping people begin to examine their own belief systems and contrasting their belief system with what Jesus is saying. And that is, that, that's what the Bible calls repentance. And it is this continual, and this is why there's a, there's a book I've got uh, by a guy called Rob Bell, who's another one of the guys who has been cancelled, a lot of them, uh, Christian leaders who, for some reason, people don't like anymore. Uh, and, and largely for him, it's to do with his, some of his beliefs are a bit more left-wing. But he's got a book called Jesus Wants to Save Christians. Uh, and and I think I think that's true, uh, because this is the we have wrong belief systems too. Um, and so I, I I think so. It's a, like you can see I can get excited and go down a rabbit trail with all this stuff, but it, it is I think there is this fundamental assumption to do with what is right and what is wrong, and people aren't examining those assumptions. Uh, and there is a worldview, and and the Australian Bureau of Statistics had to label no religion as a religion in order to capture the statistics for it, um, mm. and I think they're accurate. I, I think mm. I think there is uh, it is a, a, a there is a whole set of value assumptions that are behind the secular mindset, uh, and globally the number of people who are secular is de- are decreasing as a percentage of the global population. But for us here in Tassie, it's dramatically increasing. Mm. So we're sort of going against the, the global trend. Yeah, I would have liked to show the graph for that. Maybe I can get it while the next person's making their point. But I can grab oh, yeah. that in a second. I did forget to put those on, yeah. No, I'll grab it in a second. Yeah. yeah. And, and Matt, you used the word in this talk about people of no no religion. You used the word zealot. You also said that in the absence of a god, they become their own god. Um, These are quite um, intense statements. Um, Yeah, so do you want to elaborate on on that a tiny bit more? Well, I I think you catch a little bit in the Charles Woolley comments on on Scott Morrison. There Mm. is a... I I actually think that there is a, a... tremendous danger uh, in uh, a secular ideology that doesn't recognise personal sin uh, because it assumes there is a righteousness to my... If everybody just thought how we thought, um, then the world would be this beautiful nirvana where everybody's happy and everyone gets on. Mm. Um, And uh, the only way that way of thinking knows how to deal with somebody who does the wrong thing is to persecute them or to punish them. There's, there's not really a redemptive story mm-hmm. uh, for people who have sinned in that world. Uh, and so that's, I think we can't cancel culture is coming from the cancer of uh, this, uh, uh, 
zealotry uh, for uh, the secular ideology. And because, because there isn't a way, there isn't a simple way to cope with sin. And, and so mm. I, I, I do think it's just, it's an unexamined worldview. Mm. Um, the, what, what is built into Christianity is this assumption that I personally am full of it. Uh, and that I need people around me to point out where I am full of it, when I need to confess my sins to one another. People need to confront me and remind me that I don't have the whole picture. Um, there is this thing built into Christianity when it's at its best. Like There are countless of examples of Christianity, of, of religious zealotry and an unhealthy Christianity. When Christianity is at its best, it has this built-in corrective uh, that calls people out to to not trust their own way of saying stuff too much. Uh, mm. But I, I think if you don't, if you can't clearly name what worldview you're coming from, then you can't interrogate it. You can't interrogate the, the values behind it. Uh, and and I think it's dangerous. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I think, think um, sometimes people who don't, um, follow the Christian faith or whatever, who don't have a have a you know who don't believe in God at all. Sometimes they would level that same criticism at Christians that they say it's an unquestioning, um, unexamined faith, and um, and I think to some extent Jesus, when he was having a go at the Pharisees that were being hypocrites, he was saying. You, you're not being self-aware. You're not actually um, unpacking what you're doing in terms of what you know is in God's word and saying, how does this line up? And they might be saying, level they are, and say, well, you know, this is obviously right because this is how I think. But um, it actually takes a fair bit of um, energy and courage to actually look honestly at who you are and what you're doing and um, actually try to step away from what you're doing and see it for what it is. You mm. know, there's, it's, um, and I think that's what Jesus is saying. You've got to, you, you don't, don't go through the world blindly doing what you're doing without really thinking about what you're doing. Yeah. And, and, I, and I don't want, all of the different zealots or less lesser zealots to be trying to cancel each other to try and get the most influence, but ha mm. but how can we have this um, justice, mercy, and faithfulness yeah. that Jesus yeah. says? Like the thing that you're missing is the justice, the mercy, and the faithfulness. And how can we spur each other on? So I want to have these discussions with people of other belief systems, and and actually keep spurring each other on towards God uh, is is where I'm coming from. Um, mm that they would want us to spur each other on to a better humanity or a utopian frame set or something. But but let's keep spurring each other on but, um, and not cancelling each other. But but I, I appreciate this phrase of the, the people who are the most zealous in my world at the moment are the people of the cancel culture and the people who want tolerance, yeah, except, except for tolerance of religion. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. So going back to Matt, what you were talking about before, you know, this, the uh, you know if you have no God or you believe in no religion or no faith, then you know really your view is the prevailing one, and therefore you are your own God. It's quite mm -hmm. interesting because you know, and I don't profess to really understand the overlap of you know morality over you know religion and ethics and those things necessarily, but it does seem to me that there's been a pretty seismic shift even in, in our generation, in our lifetime, between how we actually define what's right and what's wrong and what's good things and not good things, how good ways mm. to behave. So if you forget about Christianity and all of the sort of what we understand that to involve, entail, you know, there's a very strong or pervasive view now that there's the only things that are actually wrong are things that, you know, obviously um, or predominantly involve harm to another individual. Now, I think that's absolutely correct 
you know, so I've got no issue with that. But outside of that, and it's a very narrow definition of what harm is, it's not harm in the sense of, you know, how does God actually, how we created, how we intended to live, what's actually good for us as, as humans, you know, in terms of the way we behave and the way we treat one another and all those things. It's a very pared down, you know, almost scale back version of what harm is and then go hard at that. And then there's no redemption outside of that. There's no, you know, there's no compassion or any of those other things that are much more important to us, you know, and our, our health as humans, you know, spiritually, mentally, all those sorts of things. So it's sort of funny because there's, and, you know, you mentioned cancel culture a bit, Dan, you know, maybe it's all wrapped up in that as well, but there's a very pervasive sort of worldview that has, has changed almost, you know, the way we should live, like what's the right way for me to live based on a very narrow interpretation of that. And so a lot of the things that, you know, that, that you would say have come from a Christian background are sort of out the window because yeah. they're not part mm. of the, the construct that we're, we're trying to measure things against. And, you know, I find that sort yeah. of interesting because it probably fits into that grouping you're talking about. Mm. Yeah, and the third group um, that mm. Matt mentioned were those who um, sometimes people refer to as nominal Christians. Those are the ones who might, um, uh, they, they call themselves Christians, perhaps they've been christened baptized as at some point but they um they might go to church on at christmas sing a few carols um go to go to an easter good friday service or whatever but beyond that you know they they don't think about faith they don't think about god they don't it's like they might as well just be living their life without it but having said but if you ask them if they believe in god they'd say yes i believe in god and so mm. Um, and yes, we need to do the right thing by other people. So they've. Um, so I think that was the other group that um, potentially can um, hold people back from entering the kingdom. And yeah, perhaps it's in part. Sorry. Sorry, we, and people people could say the phrase of, "Well, your God doesn't seem to have much, make it any difference, so why would yeah. I follow Him?" That that's the block that they offer. Yeah. You know, my life's going well. I'm doing fine without God. You're doing fine. You know, you're, it's no different. So why would I go there? <laughs> kind of thing. And, and I, I, they would be the group that we most typically say, don't don't take your faith that seriously. Or get a bit worried if you get a bit too enthusiastic about it. Yeah, you you're becoming a fanatic. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and I guess um, it allows a certain permissiveness, doesn't it? I mean, again, it comes back to that change in the way our culture is thinking about things. It's oh well, you, you know, people are free to think what they want to think, do what they want to do, mm -hmm. as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. My truth and what's right for me, and find yeah. your path and all that. It's a very narrow, self-focused view on mm. you know how you actually mm. measure things up yeah and and perhaps there's another and maybe this group also falls into that third one where they're not um they don't call themselves christians they they call themselves agnostics um who where they actually are they're not sure you know they're hedging their bets a little bit well there might be a god there might not be i'm not atheist i'll just you know i'll just live my life just let you know others if they want to God, yes, so be it, so forth. Um, and then, um, yeah, that we'll just we'll just sit on the spirit, and mm. um, and that reflects then in their discussions and in the way they talk and in the way they might talk to other people who are exploring the questions as well about mm. entering the, what it means to enter the kingdom. Mm. You see a lot of commentary or reference to things that look like that, you know, where people hold on to certain elements of things, but there's no linkage back to you know, to God or Jesus, such as, you know, people often refer to angels, you know, someone's, something's happened and, you know, they're now an angel or in heaven, you know, some of those references come out, but they don't have any real linkage to, you know, so, okay. So if there is a God and all those things do exist, how do I actually mm. respond to that? What's my... You know, what's my response to that and how do I, how am I supposed to live in relationship with God? That's all too hard, but, you know, I'll hang on to heaven and maybe hell and, you know, some of those other nice little aspects, which, you know, I find a little bit intellectually a bit challenging because that's not really very, you know, doesn't sort of, it doesn't, doesn't stack up. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is where Matt, Matt showed us this graph um, just from the latest census 
Uh, Matt, do you want to talk us through, talk us through this a little bit? Yeah, it was interesting uh, realizing that back in '91, Tassie had more as a percentage more people who would call themselves Christian than the rest of Australia. Uh, but something's happened so that uh, by the time we get to now, so it's the rest of Australia that you can see actually. Uh, so the Australia with no religion there, uh, I think, is pink, and the Australia with who, percentage who call themselves Christian uh, is in, for the rest of Australia is yellow, and for Tassie, the people who call themselves Christian are green, and the um, people who are no religion in Tassie are blue. You can see back in '91 there were marginally more people in Tassie that called themselves Christian than there, there were in the rest of Australia. And that seemed to shift around, or sort of reached equilibrium around 2006. Uh, and then uh, it's really taken a, a dive to the point where uh, Tassie is the state capital with the least percentage of people who call themselves Christian. And and uh, I think maybe the most percentage of people who say they have no religion. Uh a rider must be put in that uh, Canberra is, does lead the way. Uh, a lot of public service there, and anyway, I'll leave that. Make some jokes about that. But we'll leave that alone. Um, but this, so this is what this means. At Tassie, there are now more people who say they have no religion in uh, in Tassie than there are Christians, and that raises some pretty interesting questions. One of the one of the questions is obviously, to what has the church been doing? What have the people who follow Jesus been doing? That that impacts that but also what are the broader societal things that are going on and and now what does it mean for for the first time for christians not to be the majority um and 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 what do we mean by christians because i i think part of what i was saying on sunday is i think a, a significant percentage of people who would who would have said yes i'm a christian probably are more in that nominal group um and so that's part of it uh but but also, uh, I, I think there, there has been a disconnect between the church and, and I think part of what's contributed to the rapid decline has been some of the horrific news that's come out of the church over the last 10, 12 years. Uh, that certainly had an impact in terms of people identifying mm. with the Christian story. And it, mm. it's, there is just no excuse in the Christian church for some of that kind of horrific behaviour that has permanently damaged people. Mm. Um, and so that's and it's also the the because since the nineties we've been actually defining Australia as a secular country, and so it's becoming more and more acceptable or desirable to define yourself as non-religious or, or something. Mm. Um, and so we've actually I think that's a big part of that number is those people who I, who would say I'm Australian, therefore I am Christian. It, that's a cultural Christian, or you can become a like a a, a um family heritage christian by you know i'm a i'm an even house therefore i am baptist or i am brethren or sort of thing and so you can come down to that level as well and i think those are probably a bunch of the numbers who have stopped defining themselves as christian on the census uh and it, I, I was thinking of it after the sunday that yeah okay that, that might be true for that decline might be really significant for anglican or catholic who actually formed the national identity a lot more but as baptists we we don't have very many people who only come for easter and christmas we don't have so many of those nominal christians um in, in our congregations and yet the baptist church has declined significantly at a very at quite a similar rate of those and so <laughs> So it's interesting for us to try. Well, what is it for us? Why? What is preventing people from coming into the kingdom of heaven? What's blocking them? And, and so mm -hmm. your your point, Matt, your point, Matt, because that might be for another sermon. That question, but your point was um, that the the nominal Christianity will be one thing that blocks people from finding Christ. Because you, I, I've often thought that I want the teachers of religion in schools not just to be a class teacher, but I want it to be someone who really believes it. Because um, mm. if you just teach it as a subject, that could well put you off Christ forever. But if you teach, if you if you learn it from someone who really believes it and lives it and let it shape their lives, then then that's a different learning experience. Now I'm conscious Gus is going to have to rack off, and we're we're getting close to time, and we've only yeah. just got halfway through the sermon.
Mm. <laughs> yeah, and I, and maybe one of the points to leave everyone with is what I think Dan you mentioned and, and near the end of what Jesus was saying, and that is his call for us to live justly, mm. um, be merciful and be faithful, walk humbly with our God. Mm. Um, and, and I don't know like whether he was picking up on like that passage in the Old Testament from Micah or, or what, but um, mm. that echoes that echoes all the way through the Bible. And for those who are watching this, I'm going to pop up the list just, just as we finish up, because I think this captures that. We met, met us a question, what are the things that God would want to be different in Hobart? And this is this is that justice and mercy and faithfulness. So in here we've got the things that God would want to change are things where people are focused around themselves, um, where there's poverty, where there's racism, where there's injustice. Um, they want there to be less division, um, less domestic violence. We want to be able to welcome refugees. So our, our church was throwing this question and these are their answers. I'd encourage you to have a look at it on YouTube so you can see them. But this is the justice and mercy and compassion side, which which is your mic of this. Um, and yeah. Jesus says, look, don't forget worshipping me. Like it, it's not that you don't need to sacrifice to me and worship me, um, what God says, but but you need to first remember to be to have justice and to be merciful and faithful. And here are practical ways that we can do that. You could find a few of these words and get, commit your life to finding a way to, to helping, to working with God in fixing that area or strengthening that area. Absolutely. Any thoughts as we finish off, guys? It does feel like we only did half the discussion, but there was a fair bit in that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've got to find a way to put less into the sermons. I'm, I, I'm conscious they're getting slightly longer, but uh, there's so, so much in what Jesus teaches. It's hard to hmm. narrow it down. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess I just want to come back to that thing about being honest with yourself and with God and yeah. how, um, you know, Jesus said, you know, I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to be your truth teller, your counsellor, your guide. And um, and so that, exor that's, that exercise of looking at ourselves and being honest and being honest with God, we don't actually have to do that on our own. Ask the Holy Spirit to help because that's exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do yeah. and to, to better understand what it is that Jesus is actually saying what does that mean for us and the way we're living our lives and how can we more and more have the mind of Jesus Christ in us yeah. reflecting in what we do yeah yeah it's great I think we'll finish there and that's a nice conclusion. So thanks, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to put the comments in, in underneath. You can like us, subscribe, you know, all the things. So thanks, thanks for joining with us today. Gus, thanks for your visit. It's been nice having you as well. So See you guys. Thanks, Dan. Bye. Bye.